Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. We're on a mission from God. We are on mission with Jesus. He has invited us to partner with him in his great work to repair the world. Wow. Candy Zander is with us. She is a freelance writer who helps us understand the Bible better. And Candy, glad to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're pumped up. So a couple of things, I guess, to kick this off. What is mission? Really, what is mission according to the Jesus way? And what did you think mission used to be? Yeah, I just, uh, mission is sharing the story of Jesus, his life, death, his resurrection, and his eventual return. And and that means sharing it with all of creation. It means sharing it with our neighbors who don't know Jesus yet. It means sharing him with all of us who already know him and just deepening our understanding of the story. And it means bringing the gospel to bear in various situations that we encounter. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, um, I used to really think that sharing the gospel meant I had to be really aggressive and share like a tract or something with everybody that I met. And that's really not what it's about because it's about living the story and sharing the gospel in your specific situation, contextualizing it and sharing it and just living that story. Wow. There's a lot to unpackage there, my friend. (laughs) I know. Can you give me an example when you talk about living the gospel versus just telling the gospel. Can you give me an example of what that would look like? Yeah, absolutely. I um, One of my favorite examples of this is, like, for instance, creation care. So um, we know that Jesus is making all things new, that he loves the world that he made, and um, taking care of the earth is a way that we can share the gospel with our lives. And it opens up a lot of conversations when you are taking care and being a good steward, opening up conversations about the God you serve. Mm-hmm. People just being curious about why you're making the choices that you make. And then that actually opens up the telling part. Yes, absolutely. Our actions often lead to amazing conversations. And also you talk about the need for us to share the gospel with one another as believers. Mm-hmm. I know that every day I need to, you know, it's this phrase, preach the gospel to myself. And I want to preach the gospel to my friends who are following Jesus as well, because it's our, it's the life source, right? Yes. I think, um, I used to think that it meant that I had to share with other people, which who aren't Christians, which is still true, Yep. but it's a big part of sharing the gospel is sharing it to myself, like you have said, and also just encouraging our siblings in Christ. It's a big, it's, it's a big family of sharing the story. Mm, That's really good. So you mentioned in your notes that when you realize sharing the gospel means living it out in everyday life, that you felt relieved by that. I know it's so intimidating. When you talk about evangelism and you talk about mission, you talk about sharing the gospel, you know, our hearts start beating faster and we're, we start thinking about the hinge, the six hinges of the gospel. What are they? And in the right order and we get all freaked out. But honestly, to live it is... I'm just curious why that felt like relief to you, because I think it's it's way harder to obey what I know than to just say what I know. And I, I think you've touched on something with it being hard, because it is true. It's not it's not easy, but it is simpler, I guess. Mm, yeah. And what I would say is that it was a relief because I often feel like when I'm trying to share the gospel story, at least I did, um, I would feel like it was emptying out a big puzzle box and all the puzzle pieces and trying to gather them really fast to try Mm -hmm. to tell the story. 
And now it really is more like I'm telling the story both with my words and with my life. And that's a lot simpler. It's not easier, but it's a lot yeah. simpler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a congruency there, right? Where it's yeah. all coming together. Yeah. So what is the gospel message? I mean, like if you're, if you were sharing, you had, you know, 30, 45 seconds mm-hmm. and that's all you had and you had an open door and you had a hungry heart, you know, how would you communicate that to somebody? Um, I use Romans ten nine as a base. Um, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. And so basically the way I summarize that for um, uh, the context that I'm in is Jesus is the risen King who is making all things new and he's inviting all humans into right relationship with him, others and creation. Mm. So when I say Jesus is Lord, you know, that's something that that the Holy Spirit has to reveal to me that he that he wasn't just a prophet. He yeah. wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a, a cool guy that went around, you know, doing miracles, but that he's the Lord, he, a human being. But God, who the word of God, eternal word of God became a human being. That's the realization that has to spark in our hearts and come out of our mouths. Jesus is Lord. Yes, I think that's so important, the idea of Jesus as Lord, as King over all creation, and that that is such a huge part of this story. Yeah, and that God raised him from the dead is like the confirmation that he is the one. He is the one. He lived out the perfect life. He made, he completed the final sacrifice for our sins, and God raised him up to validate, you know, his nature and his work and everything. And really inaugurated the new creation. I mean, here is, if, if God can beat death, he can beat sin. He can beat all that is broken. Mm. This is our purpose, my friend. We have been created to know God and to make him known. And that doesn't mean that, you know, God is wanting you to become a pastor. You know, you're a pastor where you're at, where you work, where you go to school, you know, where you rub shoulders with people in your family. So the Lord is giving us this purpose. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are loved to share his love. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning, Candy. I'm so excited to be here. I love talking about the gospel with you all. Yeah. Oh, man. And we're talking today about mission. We were talking a minute ago about just kind of the definition of mission, but want to talk a little bit about the mission as the way that we live our lives or the mission as practice. And the verse that comes to mind for me is from Philippians 4. I think it's verse 9. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So tell us a little bit about this missions as habit or habit as missions. How does that work? Because we think about the gospel, we think about mission. I think we think about the story that we tell, not so much about the life that we live or the habits that that we live. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I love this uh, dance that habits is. Um, We're doing a book study at my church right now. Um, It's called Surprise the World by Michael Frost. And it's about how habits that we have in our lives, like eating with our neighbors or blessing others, can help us express the gospel in our lives. Um, He has this idea of living questionable lives or lives that encourage Mm. our neighbors to ask questions about Mm. our faith. Um, he, He brings up 1 Peter 3. Um, 
but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do that with gentleness and respect. And that's a big part of how our habits can invite us into gospel conversation with our neighbors. Hmm. So these habits are, you know, different ways that we can create a Jesus way of living and and get people to be curious about why we're living that way, right? Yeah. I think for me, um, habits really used to scare me because as we've talked about before here, I'm kind of an ex-legalist. So it's just like, oh, is this going to be works righteousness? Is this going to be about earning God's favor with my works? But the really cool thing about habits um, when you're resting in grace is that it's not about earning God's favor. That's already there. Mm-hmm. It's about deepening your walk with him and having the gospel brought to bear in the everyday mundane moments of life. I can't tell you how much I love this language, this word habit, right? Because, you know, I think we think of um, uh, practices or, you know, spiritual disciplines and that just feels really holy and kind of out of reach, you know, and to some degree, or maybe intimidating, but the idea of habits, like I just was looking up how long it takes to create a habit. It's like 18 to 254 days to develop a habit, right? But a habit is really a simple, repeatable pattern. Yes. It's something that you do regularly. So share with us a habit that, that, um, that just kind of illustrates for us how you would, how a habit could be a mission. Yeah. So something that my husband and I recently started doing was ending our day with the Lord's Prayer. And I love that because one, it's a very, it's one of the oldest prayers that we have, and it connects me to Christians throughout all of history. But also it helps us focus on Christ and the gospel at the end of the day to think about the things that we faced over the day and that that we will face in the next day. It's really centering to bring the gospel as the center of what has happened and what will happen Mm -hmm. next. Yeah. Well, it is such a missional prayer. Lord, your kingdom come, Mm -hmm. your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're saying, Lord, bring heaven to earth. Yes. And not just someday, but through my life. Mm -hmm. And one of my habits is I love to say to people, you know, maybe a person that I'm picking up a prescription or I don't know, getting a Starbucks, you know, I'll just say, have a blessed day, you know, and it's just, a, it's a little, just a little bit of a curveball, mm-hmm. you know, I hope they think about that. And I was on a run the other day and I was really inspired by the story of Ruth and how Boaz, you know, came to his field and, and said to his workers, the Lord bless you. And so I was running and this, this lady was walking my way and I said, the Lord be with you. And she said, just without even, without even a skip and a beat, she said, and also with you. (laughs) You got blessed in return. That's the thing. When we bless others, we do get blessed in return. Well, think about this. The God of the universe has saved us by sending his son into the world to die on a Roman cross for our sins so we can be forgiven and have life everlasting, which begins now. But it gets better than that. He calls us into a partnership where we get to be on mission with him to bring his love to those who've not yet received it. You know, Candy, we're on mission with Jesus, but it's just not me and Jesus on mission. It's 
us and Jesus on mission. I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but anyway, I'm going with it. It's us and Jesus. So we do, a big part of being on mission with Jesus is being on mission with him in community. And what does that look like? Yeah, I think it's so easy to start to think that, oh, I have to save everyone by myself. Mm. But that is not what Christ has called to us to. And I think that um, if we think about it, we are inviting people to a kingdom, a family, a community. So why would that be a solo effort? And John 4 really underscores this. Um, one sows and another reaps. Jesus sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of the labor. It's a team effort. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. I mean, when you think about the Trinity, God himself works yes. in community. The Trinity mm. itself is God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So community is is always his idea. Yes. I think about my own life and how the gospel became real to me, and it was totally a community effort. There were my parents who introduced me to the gospel when I was so, so small. There were the youth leaders in high school that invited me into their homes and fed me. There were uh, the professors who taught me how to study the Bible. There was the uh, spiritually forming relationship I entered into when I married my husband. Mm -hmm. There was the faithful Christians who prayed with us and for us and have spent so much time having fun and deep discussions with us. And yeah, it's just when we live out the gospel and invite people into our lives, the Lord will provide opportunities for us to share. You know, and to use the football analogy, Jesus is the play caller. He's he's more than the quarterback. He's the offensive coordinator and he, he knows who needs to go where, you know, and so we just do our part and we don't have to, you know, we don't have to figure out the game plan, so to speak. We just do our part because he's going to plug in people at different places to, to share a good word here and there that's going to lead a person. You know, I'm going to hopefully help someone move a step closer and somebody else is going to help a person move a step closer, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard somebody use the, um, the image of a timeline. If you were to picture a timeline and that goes negative, to the left to infinity and positive to the right to infinity and point zero being the point at which we make a decision to give our lives to Jesus and to follow him. We're all somewhere on that continuum. But what when I when I encounter someone and we have conversation or our lives kind of rub up against each other in some way, I want to help the person in front of me to just move one notch over to the right, you know, recognizing that, yeah, we're part of a team. Use the use the football an analogy or the sports analogy not one person moves the ball down the field in mm -hmm. every single play. It's, yeah. It's a whole team of people participating. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the importance of being authentic as we live into mission. Cause I think probably the most intimidating factor about sharing the gospel and living on mission is just this whole idea that I have to have every answer. Yeah. I just, I think that's such an important distinction because Jesus isn't afraid of any question we have, but we as Christians can be really afraid of questions that we have or our neighbor has. And, you know, 
What's amazing about Jesus is, as I've said, is he is not afraid of our questions. And over the years, I've been given some really good advice that when somebody asks you a question about Jesus that you don't know the answer to, it's okay to say, I don't know. Mm. Um, We have the information we need to know from scripture, the basic story of who Jesus is. Um, And beyond that, we're welcome to acknowledge that we don't have all the answers because God is God and we are not. (laughs) Right. Honestly, if we had an entire lifetime, if we spent every waking moment studying scripture, we still wouldn't have the answers because he is God and we are not. Yes. (laughs) So there is nothing um, humbling about saying, I don't know the answer to your question, but how about you join me and we dive in and kind of seek out the answer together? Yeah, I think there's always the jumping off point. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about the central elements of the gospel. Um, what I passed on to you as a first important, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of your jumping off point when somebody has a question. But a lot of times we just defer to Romans 11.33, um, how unsearchable are God's judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. You walk on the journey with the person you're talking with. It's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's what comes to mind. You know, maybe you've been asked a question that you didn't have the answer for. I'd like to know what that question is. Maybe we could take a stab at it. 800-968-8930. I know I was talking with a guy at Carpe Latte, just happened to get into a conversation with him. And, you know, he's really questioning his faith and wondering, you know, was the New Testament really written in the first century? And I, you know, I had sort of an answer to that, but I, I needed to brush up on that. And those are some of the tough questions that you get asked. We are talking about how to be on mission with Jesus, what that looks like. And just, Candy, talk about the importance the essential, you know, it's an essential to be empathetic and kind as we're on mission with Jesus. Yeah. I used to think that living on mission meant like what you were talking about, uh, being like harsh to get the truth out quicker. But what's so interesting is that God doesn't work that way. He calls us to gentleness, patience, self-control, and love for and toward our neighbors. Where do we get that from? that we have to be harsh or that we have to be intense or that we have to, you know, come on strong. I think it's a really old lie. I'm not exactly sure where it started, but I think, I think the enemy is always going to try to spur us towards the opposite of love because God is love and it can be really sneaky, but you know, we, we want to be kind, not harsh. Um, it's interesting in second Timothy two, it says that the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone able to teach, not resentful. Resentful Opponents must be gently instructed. Mm -hmm. So it's just so interesting that God just continuously says gentle, patience, Mm -hmm. wait, because it's easy to um, run roughshod over people. And that is not what we're called to. Mm. I think too, sometimes, you know, when we share the gospel, part of the patience part is we want an immediate response. Like mm-hmm. I told you the gospel, so go ahead and step across the line of faith. Let's do the sinner's prayer. Let's get you <laughs> yes. in the family, you know, instead of being willing to walk it out with people, like maybe you talk about the gospel, you know, 50 times 
before they get to the point yes. of being ready to make a commitment to Jesus. And scripture does say, carefully weigh the cost, you know, consider yeah. <laughs> what it means to step into this relationship with God. Consider what you're giving up, consider mm-hmm. what you're getting, consider what I've done. And so I think the patience plays in too, to just being willing to walk that out with somebody who's got questions and who's not ready. Yeah, I love that. I think too, just another piece of kindness is just being doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I had a professor in college who gave me some really good wisdom on this um, when you are engaging with people that you do not agree with. So when I used to write position papers in college, it was my first instinct to go to sources that agreed with me. And, you know, those have value organizations you trust that that they have a role in research. Um, But the advice I was given is don't argue against what you guess or think the other side thinks. Mm -hmm. Instead, find the best source you can from the other side, the best argument and engage with that in good faith. Wow. Because I mean, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I don't want somebody to misrepresent what I believe and do like a caricature of it or a stereotype. I want people to actually engage what Christianity is. And frankly, it's good for me to apply the golden rule in this situation if I encounter a non-Christian. Yeah. And we don't want to be mischaracterized as believers in Jesus. Yeah. We are often mischaracterized. Mm-hmm you know, and pigeonholed and caricatured. And we don't like that, so we shouldn't do that to others. I think, too, some of the, you know, the harshness comes off in feeling like, we had this conversation earlier about, like, feeling like we have to know all the answers and we have to have all the information, Mm -hmm. that our focus when we engage in the conversation is more about what I'm going to say and what I'm going to share instead of a listening posture of being curious about what they're going to say and what they think and then just kind of, I mean, that's part of meeting them in that space, right? Like, do to others what you would have them do unto you is, I don't want somebody, you know, inflicting their thoughts and their beliefs on me. I want to lovingly be inquired of yeah. in a conversation. Mm-hmm. I love that picture and the way you tied that all together because it's just it's just such a walk with people. The verse that just keeps coming to mind is the idea that God is slow to come back and it's not because he's mean, but because it's he's being patient right. with us mm-hmm. so that we might come to repentance. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just God. He's not in a hurry. He loves us. Yeah. And I think a great practice too is, you know, when someone makes a statement of, of their truth to you, Mm -hmm. uh, I learned this, you know, listening to some training when, when someone makes a strong statement about a subject say, well, how did you come to that conclusion? So you're listening, you're Mm -hmm. letting them Mm -hmm. do the work Mm -hmm. and you're listening to understand where they're coming from. I think that that's what you just made a point about a few moments ago, Shauna. And the listening informs us on how to pray, right? Because we're having this vertical or this horizontal conversation, but at the same time, we're having a vertical conversation with the Lord. So as we're walking out the conversation with the person in front of us to be able to listen and then bring that to the Father in prayer and say, God, how would you respond to this? Just let my lips be expressing your heart right now. Yeah, and that's how people feel heard if we're asking questions about what they think. When it comes to having a conversation with someone, we've talked all morning about living out the gospel in your choices and in, in your posture towards others. But when it comes to actually having the conversation, talk to us a little bit about the importance of seeing 
the uniqueness of the individual in front of you and, and not having, I guess, preconceived ideas of where they're at. Yeah, I think that um, as I've worked in ministry to a lot of different groups, I'm struck by one thing, and that is how far treating someone like a human can be um, in a in bringing about an effective gospel conversation. I think it's really easy to see people as kids who can't understand or teens who are going to be grumpy. And that's just not going to put you in the right frame of mind. Mm-hmm. There's pride in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been having a lot of conversation about pride and just, yeah, entering the conversation with humility. So what would it, what are the things that you kind of keep in front of you when it comes to sharing the gospel with someone? Absolutely. So I'm looking for two things. And one is the developmental stage someone is in. So if you're teaching to toddlers, your lesson is going to be a lot shorter and a lot more hands-on. And frankly, even if you're teaching to grown-ups, that's probably true. Keep Mm. it short and simple. It's a good good idea. And then remembering that God created them in his image and they bear inherent dignity. So we don't approach them in pride or in condescension. Well, I have learned a lot through the years and I was going to college. And one of my jobs during the summer was I worked at Shepler's, which is a ferry boat line that takes you from the land, you know, takes you from Mackinac City to Mackinac Island. And people would come and they would actually say, when does the bridge swing over to the island? I would actually get that question, you know, yeah. when does the Mackinac Bridge swing over to the island? But at any rate, that's not where I'm going. So I was on the boat And there were certain rules about being on the boat. And one of them was you can't smoke and you can't drink, obviously. And so there was these two guys and they were like on the back deck and they were, you know, not in the seated area and they were smoking. And I can't remember if they were drinking and I was just really ticked off because they weren't following the rules. And and I just got this quote unquote, righteous anger. And I said, don't you know that Jesus is coming back again? And if you don't repent, you know, you're not going to get there. And (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that was the right approach. Candy, you're having a no, no, no. I, I'm I'm smiling because it's it's very relatable. I think we all have moments where you see. Uh, I, I had one just yesterday where I was just so upset with somebody, and I really had to work on not letting that just bubble out on top of this mm-hmm. person. And I think um, something that just helps me a lot is. Um, Matthew 22, 36 to 37. And I'm just going to read that because it just is something so powerful to keep in the front of our minds. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Hmm. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And I really think that's the point. I mean, if Jesus says the whole Bible is about loving God and loving neighbor, we take that seriously. Yeah. And now I'm thinking about, okay, I'm going to put myself back. If I could go back to that situation, what I would realize is, okay, these guys are going to drink and they're going to smoke. They've decided to, they don't care. And so I could have just started asking them questions. Yeah. You know, started a conversation, you know. I think yesterday it was, we had, oh, oh, the Kemp, Jeff Mm -hmm, Kemp on. And he said that when he came to Jesus, he was in a drunken stupor. He said, but he was fully awake to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Spiritually, completely sober. So if, you know, if I could go back in time to say, okay, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys break the rules, but I'm going to have a conversation with you. That's how I would do it again. Yeah. I mean, you when earlier in this conversation, Candy, you were referring to, you know, each person being created in God's image and then having this inherent dignity. Mm-hmm. If we even could just remember that as we step into the conversation, not like I'm the person who has the answers or I'm the person who's in the know and in the right and you're not. Or, you know, even specifically that struck me because we were having a conversation about how you would present the gospel to a toddler. Yeah. (laughs) Like recognizing that toddler is an image bearer of God Mm -hmm. and therefore is, you know, one of inherent, deserving of inherent dignity. Mm -hmm. Worthy of that respect. And that's the, that's the way we approach them. They're human. I'm human. You're human. Yeah. And we're not... We're not on mission with Jesus to win a debate. Yeah. I don't think debates ever bring anybody to Christ. You know, maybe you can, if you came to Jesus through a debate, let me know. I'd love to hear that. But I don't think most people will ever come to Christ through a debate. It's pretty rare. <laughs> I think too, there's this mentality of, and I think, I feel like this is just, um, the enemy's having so much fun with this one right now, but this is this whole us and them mm-hmm. thing, you know, yeah. COVID pandemic, yeah. politically, there's this whole us and them mentality that's just, it's so divisive. And even sharing the gospel, division isn't the intention. Yeah. The intention is is cohesiveness, is to bring them into relationship with Jesus. And so where wherever there is an us and them mentality, whether it's I'm older, I know better, you're younger, you don't, or I'm in the family, you're not. Mm-hmm. Anything that creates an us and them mentality that has you on the opposite side of the table as me, you know, I think to ask the question, God, how do I get up and walk around to the other side of the table and just sit down mm, that's along good. with yeah. the side? Yeah. 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 It's not about winning an argument and it's just about loving, loving the way Jesus loves. So, you know, as we share our faith, here's here's something that comes to me. Imagine, I mean, realize, first of all, realize that Jesus died for that person that you're talking with. And, and maybe even use your creative, holy imagination and imagine Jesus hanging on the cross for them. I don't know, maybe that can help. We talked earlier about the habits of our life and how they can be instigators to gospel conversations. We heard from Mark this morning. He texted and he shared about, you know, that sharing the gospel can be kind of clumsy at times when you're trying to strike up a conversation with about with someone about Jesus. It doesn't always necessarily go smoothly. But he says, I try to plant a seed every day with someone and not try to plant plant and grow an entire tree. And I think that's so great. There's a, there is a relief in that, right? Like I don't have to grow a tree today. I'm just going to plant seeds where I go. And some of those seeds can be the habits that we engage in. They can literally be um, launchers to conversations about Jesus. And I know that for myself, when it comes to habits, I have been known to break my habit because we have company yeah. or, you know, to move away from my spiritual habits because, you know, such and such is going on instead of seeing my habit as an opportunity to invite other people into holy conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's really easy to feel like we can't be authentic um, with people because the gospel can seem scary 
And I love what you said about just continuing to be yourself Mm -hmm. and do the practices that you're doing. I know for me, when I have been with friends who are not Christian and I wanted to do some kind of habit, I'll say, is it okay if we pray right now? You don't, you don't have to bow your head or anything. I, but um, this is something I do right now and this is why I do it. And people are very receptive if you are kind, you know, you don't have to force it on them. Just say, this is something I do right now. And people are usually pretty respectful about that. Mm -hmm. That's good. I have a friend who has a a specific time of the day. I think it's right after dinner that he has small children and he and his wife, they all gather together as a family and they read scripture and then they talk about, you know, what is God saying and and what are we supposed to do about it? And they just have a conversation about it. And the age range is quite young Mm -hmm. in his family, but everybody engages in the conversation and everybody participates. It's a habit that they do at the same time every day. Oftentimes, Somebody's got a friend over from school or from their team or, you know, neighbor kids that just happen to be over and it is time for the habit. And they just simply invite them. Would you guys like to participate in what we're going to do as a family now? They don't have to. They can continue playing or they can go home or whatever the case may be. But it's an opportunity for them to engage. And they're like, he has mentioned, you know, there's so many times the, the people who participate in that, whether it's adults or children, whatever the case may be, they're like, this is so cool. And everybody participates in the conversation, whether you do it every day or it's your first time you get to participate in the conversation. Exactly. There's some hospitality there and it sounds like just a wonderful balance of inviting, but it's truly an invitation. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I do, well, one of the things that I do, and I don't do this all the time is that, and I love to hear people's stories. I'm actually, I'm curious about people. I just, everybody's got a story, you know, Mm -hmm. to me, it's just stories are fascinating. That's why I think Jesus used them so much, Mm -hmm. but And I, this is, this is a very simple thing, but you know, is your faith important to you or, you know, what are your spiritual beliefs or that kind of a thing? Just, and some people just do not want to go there. And that means that to me, that means, well, they're just not there yet. You know, the spirit isn't, hasn't moved them to a place where they want to talk about it. But a lot of times you can find people who are seekers who are open when you just say, Hey, what are your spiritual beliefs or is your faith? I think is your faith important to you is is a little less intimidating. Yeah. Sort of those general questions that are open-ended to get the conversation going. Yeah. Candy, you just, you're so gifted with words and bringing the gospel into the center of every conversation. I think it's just one of the things that I love about being able to talk with you about mission. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I, and I just, I want to just praise the Lord for his work and just bringing the gospel to bear because that's, it's really, it's really not me. The spirit just does what the spirit does. And I'm just mm-hmm. so, I, I'm so amazed at the work he's done in my life and in the work he's done in the lives of the people I've interacted with. It's just Really, so I'm just very thankful, and I wanted to say that this morning. <laughs> awesome. So, what's jumping off the page at you from today's conversation? What's the thing that you feel like, you know, the Holy Spirit is just putting at the at the top for you? I was thinking about how the heart of the gospel is God's love and care for people, mm-hmm. and really the whole creation. We've talked on that a little bit about how Jesus is making all things new. But really, when we're living on mission, when we're having missional conversations, when we're developing missional habits, et cetera, 
if we remember that the heart of the gospel is God's love and care for people, it will transform the way we interact with people mm-hmm. and he will provide opportunities. Mm-hmm. That's so good. My takeaway, you know, I think I've, I tend to think of the gospel as something I'm supposed to do instead of something I'm supposed to be. And mm-hmm. so my takeaway from today is just to ask the question in every circumstance, how does the gospel impact this situation? from a literal standpoint. So like think about the circumstances in front of you that overwhelm you that feel like, I don't know if I can do this or I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. And then put this on it. Jesus is King. He died for our sins. He rose again. He's coming back and he's making all things new. Mm-hmm. How does that impact this situation? Yes. That's so good. And for me, I'm just going to tag team on you guys and take the ball a little further down the court, maybe or down the field. Well, court field that that works, but just to know the gospel, to know how to share the gospel, and to be able to share it in a in a very concise way, you know. And for me, it's like, okay, Jesus, man, Jesus lived lived out the perfect life, the flawless life that we should have lived, and we couldn't, we didn't, and then he died the death that we deserve. He took our place because of God's love, and then he rose us. He rose again to bring us into the Father's smile. And then it gets better because he invites us to be, once we are made new by Jesus, he invites us to partner with him, partner with him in repairing the world. Mm. And as we as we are passionate in our mission to repair the world through God's love, we're speeding the day when Jesus will come and all the sad things will become untrue. I mean, just to be able to share that little bit. I think that could give somebody a lot of life. Mm -hmm. I love that. Repairing the world is such a great jumping off point. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.